good morning, good morning. Well, let me morning. tell you how blessed it is to be serving the Lord. Now, I know Aaron and Caitlin are on their way here yet. Uh, God willing, they will make it safely. They arrived home late yesterday. So we have had a crazy week between people being at the hospital, getting checked out by the doctor, making appointments with other doctors. And it's a, a really active week of service, both serving in the panic, serving at the life station, both serving at the data entry dinner, which was yesterday. We had arts and crafts, a youth Bible study on Thursday night, and Tuesday night had a great lesson that RJ bought, uh, brought about uh, for, forgive and forget, uh, the saying forgive and forget, and what the Bible actually says about forgiving and or forgetting and whether you should do those things. Really good lesson that was. So just a really active week, but now it's a new week. This is Sunday. We're starting off the week with worshiping God. And so whatever went on last week, as good as it may be, we can count that as a victory if you want. But today is a new day, and we are serving the Lord with, I hope, worship for the next hour or so. And will there be preaching? Yes. Yes, there will. That's a right here on my t-shirt. So got to make that arts and crafts night on Friday night. And it's the first time I've ever painted a night, and that's by my own estimation. And uh, I think Josh's as well. That does look like a night. So we agree that it does look like that. All right. So praise God. There is a membership meeting today after. I do not know that there is anything specific on the agenda, but we will meet. So if you need something on the agenda uh, in the neighborhood of membership or in the neighborhood of a monetary expenditure, like you think the church should buy X, or in the neighborhood of ministry, like you think the church should do X, you need to let us know what that is before the meeting begins. Okay. Once the meeting has begun, we start with a closed agenda so we don't do a bunch of new motions throughout and then sometimes that causes the meeting to drag on, that kind of thing. But you're welcome to put your motion on the agenda before it begins. You can give that to Amalia, who is our treasurer and also our moderator, or to me, and we'll make that happen. Okay. So that is today. Also upcoming, just in case you had forgotten or hadn't noticed, there are the two novice role-playing events. They are... Um, this coming Friday, so if you've never played a role-playing game or want to try it and try it out, you, you do have to be 12 years old or older, okay? So that's our age limit on those two events, and it's got to be for folks who have either uh, 30 hours, I'm sorry, 40 hours or less experience or never played in a Christian environment before, because what we do is they're distinctly Christian. So no foul language, no, no disgusting imagery, nothing like that, so we don't do any of that, and so... That's Friday, and we do have some people RSVP for the first one on that Friday, so that's really what appeals to you, but get your RSVP in soon, and then the following Monday, we'll do it again. Um, not, not the immediate following Monday, but nine days later, okay? Ten days later? Yeah, ten days later. Okay, so that's upcoming, and you've got other stuff in your bulletin to be aware of, and we're going to pray together now and worship God, and you can just kind of set your schedule, your agenda, your plans. Whatever they might be, just decide during this time and do everything you can to just focus on the Lord. Uh, even not the other people in the room. I don't want you thinking, if you can help it, don't think about what other people will think about my singing or what other people will think about the way I'm dressed or what other people will think about uh, something I said to them a few minutes ago or uh, if you're sitting next to your sweetheart, uh, don't, don't think about romance. Uh, just think about the Lord. Put your, your thoughts on God, and let the Lord speak to you as we try together to reach new heights in Jesus. Let us pray together, and then we'll worship a little more. Father in heaven, we are grateful. It has been, well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a kind of a funny phrase to say, but the truth is it has been a wonderful life. Even in the midst of difficulty, even facing um, diagnoses that, that we don't like, even dealing with vehicle struggles that we don't like, um, or 
trying to overcome relational difficulties, dealing with family members that we don't connect with well for whatever reason. Uh, trying to overcome fatigue today, for example, if we had a really long day yesterday, or um, if we're off schedule for whatever reason. Trying to overcome health issues if we've been sick and we want to be um, fully on path to worship you. So Lord, we're just asking you now, will you take care of all that? Just help us set it all down and focus during this time on your holiness, on your mercy, your love for us. You are incredible. And to anyone else, to somebody who doesn't know you, they might even consider you a contradiction. It doesn't make any sense how a just and holy God can forgive a wicked but repentant people. And we have been wicked. We have done wrong willfully. And we are repentant. We turn to you today. And so we are grateful that that forgiveness is available through Jesus, your son. And we ask you to work in us now as we reach new heights through Jesus. We praise you together. We lift our voices, our hearts, our minds in your direction. Do as you will in this, your people. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
inspired us this last week, and sometimes it's just by something you experienced, sometimes it's something you said. I encourage you to find your inspiration in Scripture, because then you know that it came from the Lord for sure, but even if you encourage to find something along the way, it's not difficult to verify that, make sure that it's scriptural, that it makes sense with what God is teaching us. And so, if you had an experience like that during the week, you have the opportunity to come and share it with others. Realize that a lot of times when you're getting something from God, it's not meant for you alone. Um, God's a big God. And yes, he has a big message. And he has a big message for your life. But as disciples of the Lord, a disciple is a person who hears from the Lord and then shares what they have heard. And so while God may have affected your life and you say, oh, I changed this, I did that, this was exciting to me, whatever, if you don't deliver that message to a lot of other people, then you miss out. Um, just yesterday, uh, Ariana, so Ariana has been uh, watching quite a bit of Right Now Media this week. And the reason she's watching quite a, quite a bit of Right Now Media this week is because she's working on her multiplication facts. And when working on her multiplication facts, when she falls behind on the schedule that she and I set, then she is only allowed to watch Right Now Media, not any other TV. Right Now Media is purely Christian, Christian messages, Godly shows, kids shows, things like that that are all Christian. You can get, if you don't know this, you can get a free membership to Right Now Media through New Heights and many people. In fact, we have, uh, I think we have like 300 or 397 or something like that folks across the Toledo who, you, who have gotten a free Right Now Media membership through our church. And so if you haven't done that, I recommend you do that. Anyway, so she's watching this really cool show that she found on there called, uh, help me, Ryan DeFrades. I always mess up the one. Ryan DeFrades, Secret Agent. And every one of the shows, Ryan's on an adventure. Something happens, he's a secret agent, and then after just a little while, they pull his mom in, and she's a secret agent too, and so it's really Ryan and his mom, but the, still, the, no, the show is still named after him. And then he doesn't really like his mom going along with him on missions, you know, but because who at first, yeah, but then he realizes that she's pretty useful, and so, and I think she saved his life once or twice, and that kind of thing. Anyway, so then after that. Yeah. Actually, is what makes the base of the story because she's the one that actually uh, teaches Ryan uh, the lessons. Yeah, so she's teaching him along the way. But the point is, so she's watching that show, and I was working on something at the table and lit some data entry stuff, and I was listening to the show in the background, and it was like one show after another, and the message was really cool. Like, it, the story was cool, and it tied in the biblical message. It went into the verses from the Bible, the story from the Bible. It was really cool. And I said, all right, I said, you know what? This is a really cool show. You know, and we didn't even know it was there until she started poking around right now, media, right now, media, finding something else to watch. It's a really cool show. And then I told Ariana, I said, I think we should probably tell other people about this show, which is what I'm doing right now. But that being said, it occurred, that is when the Lord kind of jumped in my heart and said to me, yeah, if you know something really cool, if you know something right, 
Because you know anything that's true, right? If you have experienced any consolation of the Lord, if you know love, right, then you ought to say, you know, I think we should tell other people about this experience. And so not only is that what Christians are called to, talk about the King, talk about God, talk about Jesus, talk about Lordship, right? Talk about avoiding hell, talk about going to heaven, talk about abundant life, all those kinds. Not only are we supposed to do that, but then on top of that, you can bring it here to the inspirational moment where we're all going to be able to be inspired by the same things that you've experienced. And then we can learn better to listen to the Lord, which we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Okay? So what do you got? Have you read something this week that you haven't? How's the Lord encouraging you? Tony Dick. I'm just going to encourage everybody. I mean, that's the idea of inspiration is that you have to be inspired. So if you do have something, I'd love to hear it because it's what inspires me. When I hear something from somebody else or a show or something, um, I just like the voice of truth. That song that just played inspired me to uh, just share a quick testimony because I'm just giving God the glory. But I did what would be almost, I think, impossible to share Jesus or uh, in a meeting in front of a bunch of people at work that, you know, may not want to hear about God or may, you know, because you only have like a quick comment and I prayed for the team. And I, I just heard that voice saying, you can't do this, you're too weak, you're not smart enough, they're, they're going to be upset with you. Instead, there was a couple people that said, thank you, and they, they maybe they never heard the gospel the first time, so I'm just thanking God that I could do that. That was the first thing I wanted to share. Um, the second thing is, uh, if anybody's here the Bible scholar, I'm going to throw a Job 38. Anybody know what Job 38 is? Anyone? All right. Job 38 is where God comes in a whirlwind and talks to Job. It's the end of the chapter. It's one of the most amazing chapters I tell you read Job 38. God does the unthinkable. He doesn't talk about angels. He doesn't talk about glory. He doesn't talk about his kingdom. He doesn't talk about anything but what he's created. He talks about the intelligent design that God has created. He says things like, "Did you do you know where the waves halt and when they begin? Do you yep. know how um, a, a mother bird goes out and gets food and brings it back to his young? Surely you must know, Job, how she knows how much to bring back. You have to know these things, right? Do you know why the, the there's goats that can climb up on mountains? They're called high, the hyrax. They were called goats. We call them goats today. But and he goes through he goes through creatures and he goes through uh, through the um, waters and the oceans and he talks about dinosaurs and possibly dragons. And he's like, surely, Job, you were there when it happened, right? you got to tell me what's going on. And so, it's, I'm telling you, read it for yourself. It's so good. But um, I was just thinking of two things from that. One comes from John chapter 3. Jesus said, how am I supposed to explain heavenly things to you if you can't understand earthly things? And then finally, I was also thinking about the Tower of Babel. Because like you were talking about, the Bible just starts opening up all over Everywhere, I could go way more than this, but I'm going fast. But the Tower of Babel, we think that God is literally stopping this Tower of Babel because they're going to reach heaven, they might die. Is it that reason, or is it because they're wasting their time? Because God considers what is weak, strong. He considers what um, we think is advancements and so much importantness is not to God at all. It's watching God do miracles every day through everyday life. Because what he does is he confuses all their languages, and so they go out and they begin to live, and they begin to, and you just see how God is using every one of these people now, because they're not so caught up in, well, we can do this and we can finish this. And the reason I'm saying that is, uh, last night we're in the data entry, and this is what God really put in my heart. 
And it was funny, I'll tell you exactly what, what it meant to me. That was my Job 38. Um, we were listening to uh, someone's brain tone, and it was Mario. It was the old Mario song. And I was like, man, I wish I could hear the whole song and not just the quick part of the Mario, because I love that song. And so Brother Josh played the Mario song, and I said, isn't it amazing that God gave that person that intellectual design that to make that song? I mean, I'm not like that. I would never think of three notes that could make a beautiful song. Or, you know, what everybody does in every day. Like, even people like that write art or do comic books or, because I don't, I don't enjoy comic books, but like, or people that put stories together. I mean, every time I think about God's creation or just animals that do amazing things or, or even like uh, the stars and the sky or the heavens, and I will finish with this because I was going to share, I didn't come Tuesday, but um, I was challenged to read Genesis chapter, uh, or 50 chapters of Genesis, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. But I did, it was awesome. <laughs> Thank God that I was dared to do that. But I was so stuck in Genesis chapter 1, because Genesis chapter 1 explains why God is God and we're not. Because if I, let's just say I was God for a minute, just like Bruce Almighty. I, I, would, I would create the heavens and the earth. I wouldn't think about how to actually do it in order. If you notice, if you read it for yourself, every day matters. God says, make light, or take away darkness and make light. Because at light, there's creation. You can't have creation without light, because too dark, things won't exist. I would be like, well, I'm going to make animals. And they'll, they'll die in the cold, they'll suffer. You know, it's like, but every day, specifically, God does in the absolute correct order to do what he does. And so I just want to encourage all of us just to think about it, and because I can't go all day, but just the things that we do every day, the amazing things that we do every day. I mean, God has created us to do things that not everybody can do. So I just, for you yourself, God has also, for me, specifically done something for you that you do for God's glory. It's just so awesome to think about how God does that through everybody, every day. Amen. You are unique. You are equal because you are unique. All right. Who else? Caitlin. Um, I had one uh, one of my residents at work. His name is Harvey. He asked me to bring this so we could be friends for him to be in our mind. Um, he came to talk to me about something going on, and we were just talking. And I, I told him I'd be praying for him, and he just like kind of broke down and then told me that um, a few years ago he was a wrestling coach for this really well known wrestling team, and um, he was on his way to one of the games or on his way to and he got hit by a drunk driver. And then he went to rehab. He was on his way to his first rehab appointment, and somebody blew a stop sign, and he got hit again by a drunk driver. And then um, he recovered. He did his rehab. He's still, you know, struggles to walk and struggles with a lot of day-to-day stuff. Um, and he was also just now diagnosed with cancer uh, last week. So just keep up in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, he's a really, he's a sweetheart. He's a professing Christian. He goes to church every Sunday. So told him that we would keep him in our thoughts and prayers. And, What's his name again? Harvey. Harvey. Okay. All right. Do we have another one? Do you want to share your McDonald's story before you go to the bathroom? Uh, yeah, sure. All right, go ahead. Um, <laughs> I was so uh, two. I had two stories this week. Uh, I told Dan all about them. But I was going on my way to work, deciding if I wanted to get breakfast. I decided to get breakfast. I was just getting a hash brown. I was had just enough time to get breakfast and make it to work on time. No, no in between. Well, I, I pay, and then as I'm paying, I'm hit like 
I need to pay for the person behind me. So I paid for her food. It was it was more expensive than my cash brown. And so um, I go up to the next window and I'm waiting and they tell me that they just ran out and they have to drop a fresh one. So it's gonna be a few minutes. And I'm like, great. So I pull over and I'm like watching the clock and I have to work on time. And uh, she, the lady who I paid for also was waiting. So she pulled up next to me and she knocked on my window and she was just broke down crying. Um, she asked me if she could give me a hug and so we got out and we were talking. She had spent all day yesterday and all throughout the night driving up from Tennessee. Her granddaughter was hit in a, um, by a drunk driver two nights before. Um, she was younger, I think she said she was only 20. And uh, they, there was no hope of recovery and were pulling for life support that day. So she was there for her son, um, buying breakfast for her and her son so she could meet him at the hospital. And uh, she said that she was just very touched that she just, you know, <coughs> She thought she was there to buy breakfast, but she was actually there to have an encounter with God in his church. So, good stuff. Alright, we've got time for one more. Going once. We're going twice. Alright, well let's pray together, and then we have a an offering, and a song or two, and then off the children will go off to their classrooms, and we'll go to the word of the Lord. And I'm excited about that. And so, uh, Brother Tim, would you be us in this prayer? Sure. Our Lord, yeah. our Father, yeah. our Savior, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. You got us here this week. You loved us so much. In spite of what our country has become, you still seem to bless us. May your people continue to serve you, Lord, and take them to here at New Heights. Guide us to where we need to go. Keep us going on here. Keep us to give up our time and our talent and our money and whatever we need to do to get to you to further your kingdom. And for those who are starting to sin, Lord, to continue to reach them, help them to not start with it anymore. In other words, that sin will be part of their life and we're not where you go. So I'll continue to grow. And I personally look very forward to today.
Yeah.
Sherry and I found a new action TV show that we've been watching, streaming, not, I wouldn't say binging, but streaming, and I exactly, can't think of what the name of it is exactly, it's about a rescue team, it's an Australian show, produced in Australia, and um, on that show, there was, a, there was a particular episode, and there was a young lady, and she was running, she had run from some guys who were trying to abduct her, and then she explained that the reason they were trying to abduct her was because that she had written a software for a company, uh, it was a game, and she had completed it, and she turned it over to her boss, and her boss took the game and was going to release it and make a ton of money and not give her any of the rights to it. And so um, they, they were trying to get her because she had gotten a copy of the game on a hard drive, and they were trying to get that back so they could make sure that she wouldn't release it as freeware. And that was the whole kind of plot of the show. One of the men who was on the rescue team was sitting talking with her, and she, said, and she was getting ready to run again. And he said, if you run now, you'll be running forever. They will always chase you. And I thought about that and how that theme has reoccurred a number of times in various police shows and uh, watching NCIS and all these different shows. And it's, if you run from the law, you'll always be running. If you run from those who hate you, you'll always be running. The truth is that I think we kind of inherently know in ourselves that if we're always running from our problems, if that's your go-to method of handling whatever the difficulty is that you're facing, is to run away. To not confront the problem, not try to talk it out, work it out, ask the right questions, get to the bottom of it. If you're not trying to do that, you'll wind up running pretty much from everything for your whole life. And the end result of that is not necessarily what people think it is. For example, uh, people think, well, I'll eventually stop running. But the truth is, once you establish a habit of running away from your problems, you pretty much never stop running. You may face certain things that really are important to you, or you'll, you'll wrestle with those things because you realize that, that you just can't go away, right? But I know people who have run away from their problems for their whole life, then been diagnosed with cancer, and then just ignored the fact that they had cancer, diagnosed with stage one cancer or two cancer for whatever, it totally ignored it for several years until it was stage four cancer and it was untreatable. And they ran their whole lives, and then they, they get to stage four cancer, and they're like, well, I guess I'm going to have to treat it now because I'm going to die. And they're like, well, I guess it's too late now because you just ran for three years from it and pretended it wasn't happening. I've known people who had a calling by God. God said, I want you to come, be the church, follow the Lord, do this for me, whatever. They had a calling by God, and they ran away from it. We sang the song, The Voice of Truth. And the armies were, of Israel were called out to face uh, the Philistines, and one particular Philistine from Gath in particular, uh, Gathite, I guess you'd call him, uh, a great big guy, was coming out, and he was challenging the whole Israelite army, if any one of them would stand up against him, and none of them would, and as the song says, shaken in their armors, they refused, and then young David, who was a kid, not even an adult, agreed to go out and stand up against him, and he said, it's not my fight, it's God's fight, and I'll do it. And you think after David de defeated Goliath that that entire army went home regretting the fact that none of them had the courage to stand up and let God fight that fight? I submit to you, once you start running, you get good at running. That's what you get good at. And the end is always the same. And it isn't that you eventually stop running and turn and face the difficulties because people will go on and they get good at running and they just keep on running. What happens is you get run down. That's what happens. You wear out your shoes you wear out your creativity, you get old. You think, I'll never have to deal with this problem, and then the problem comes upon you, and you're just run down. You don't have anything left. One who runs away always, instead of purposefully 
gets run down. If you run purposefully, like I'm running training for a marathon, then eventually you might be able to run a marathon if you did that training every day. Or if you run um, to, for office and you really dedicate yourself to running for office and you find people to vote for you and you get promotions and you get yourself aired on social media, you might eventually run office. That's running purposely with a goal. And then you either meet the goal or you don't. And then maybe you move on to another goal. And in the process of running purposefully like that, instead of getting run down, you actually get built up, right? But running away from everything is exhausting. So I want you to bear that in mind uh, as we look at a scripture today. And it's a relatively short passage of scripture. And the truth is it's a relatively short message, I think, but it's poignant, it speaks to us, uh, it speaks to me in particular, and I hope it'll speak to you in a unique way. So maybe give me a little hoot holler or take a, just a deep breath and kind of moan if that's all you can manage as we go to First Chronicles chapter 11. Here we go. Amen. Thank you. This is God's word. There's a moan out there. I heard it today. I missed the guy who used to yell Yahtzee every time we did that. I think somebody in here used to yell Uno, but anyway, it doesn't matter. It's First Chronicles chapter 11, and we're going to read then from verse uh, 21 and following. All right. Verse 21 says, of the three in the second rank, okay, so these are people who are, they're not the top rank, they're not the heroes, if you will, uh, that everyone looks up to, but they're pretty heroic. It says, of the three in the second rank, he was the most honored and became their commander. However, he did not attain to the first three, he didn't rise up to be the, the, the first rank. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, Mighty in deeds, struck down the two sons of Ariel of Moab. So there's two soldiers, and he went and fought them both, and they were big and mighty soldiers, and he defeated them both. He also went down and killed a lion inside a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits tall. So cubit is, generally speaking, the measure from your elbow to the tip of your finger, and in most men it runs roughly 18 inches. Okay, so your height, you might be a little more, a little less. By the way, if you measure that, you'll never be without a ruler, um, at least not completely. This guy was five cubits tall. That makes him seven and a half feet. All right, and Benaiah defeated him. Now, in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. So uh, we're talking about a spear, a big, very mighty spear, probably seven and a half foot long. And a weaver's beam would be about two and a half inches in diameter. So if you can picture, you're talking about a spear that's about that big around. Okay, not, not talking about a beam. It's not as big as a two by four. We're talking about a big, heavy spear. A spear like that will hold the weight of about a thousand uh, or about 2,000 pounds. It'll hold a ton. You can stress it. It'll bend a little bit, but it won't snap. It's a big stick. Okay, and it happened to be a big pointy stick. And Benaiah went out against him. And defeated him. It says, now in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam, but he went down to him with a club. Um, those of you who are uh, experienced in any way in melee combat or know anything from the gaming background or whatever realize that a club versus a spear has a problem, right? What's the problem with a spear versus a club, Ron? Range on the spear. Yeah, reach. Right. So now he wasn't going to throw his spear. That's not that kind of a spear, really. But So the, the spear always strikes first, is the bottom line. So he went against him with a club and snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things Benaiah the son of Jehoiada did and had a name as well as the three mighty men. So he didn't, he didn't necessarily join the first rank. He was from the second rank, but he did incredibly, and he had a name that was known amongst all the people like the three mighty men. And we'll go one verse further. Behold, he was honored among the 30. 
of the second rank. But he did not attain to the three in the first rank. David appointed him over his guard. So he was promoted to be over the guard of King David. Okay? So that's our verses for the day. There's a couple things I want you to see in here. Uh, so the first is, I want to talk just briefly about how it came to be uh, that Beniah fought the lion in the pit on the snowy day. That's kind of a strange battle. First of all, if you got a lion in the pit, you really don't have to fight him. Nobody really has to fight him, right? You can stand up at the top and throw spears at it until it's dead. So nobody really has to go down in the pit and fight the lion. That's not necessary. So why does one fight the lion then, right? Um, so first of all, I want you to realize that Beniah had prepared for just such a moment. He had prepared and certain activities in his life had prepared him for that moment. He had trained, he had trained with mighty men, he had fought, he fought the Egyptian, he fought the two brothers, or two warriors who were together, very powerful. Um, he had fought a lot and shown up with a name, shown up with a capability, if you will. He'd spent probably every single day training, almost without exception. Sometimes I wonder to myself, and we don't really know this side of heaven, but I wonder if it was the spear of the Egyptian that Benaiah took down in the pit to kill the snowy lion. Might have been. The bottom line is, he trained and practiced every day to be ready for that moment. Also, he had surrounded himself with heroic people, people who were also engaging in incredible activities similar to that which he wanted to be able to do. So he was training with other powerful warriors. He was engaging in the activities that powerful warriors engage in, right? And so we can get from that example, if we are going to, if we were going to ever arrive at a moment in our time where we're going to fight a lion in a pit on a snowy day, then we need to have the right people around us, we need to be engaged in the right activities, and we need to be training for that moment in time. Now you're thinking to yourself, well, I really don't want to fight a lion in a snowy pit anyway. Notice also that there was a decisiveness or a seize the opportunity about Benaiah. He said, hey, here's a lion caught in a pit on a snowy day. Hmm, I wonder what I could do with that. I wonder how I could use that. There is considerable risk here, but he responded with courage, and I would say even faith. He had seized the opportunity in the past, fought the Egyptian, fought the brothers, done other things of heroic nature. He realized that when he had seized the opportunity in the past, it had benefited him. He'd come out good. He was getting promotions. He was getting recognized. He was standing out of the crowd. There were lots of mighty men. Of the 30, he was on the rise to become one of the most known. He had not yet been called as the leader of David's guard. But he would love to do that. The king, that God would say that he would be the king and that he and his descendants would reign on the throne of Israel forever. Who wouldn't want to be the king, the, the leader of the royal God, of the royal guard of the God's king? Right? Who wouldn't want to do that? That would be awesome. And that yet had not happened. But in the past, he had seized in major moments of triumph. He had past victories. And he realized that his past victories and his past seizing of the moment, his past courage and faith, meant something in that moment. Now, a lion is a noble beast. Uh, a recognized warrior. And so the fact that it is a lion is something significant. The truth is, as I said, you and I would probably never fight a lion. Most, most of us will never even be in the same room as a lion. You might see one in the circus or something. But unless you get a career, a trainer, something, probably not. Go to the zoo, right? There's no lion, no physical, actual, real lion going to come to your house, be in your yard, or in this room. It's not likely to happen. Benaiah 
trusted God with the possibility of perceived failure. He could have failed. He could have went into the pit that day and that lion could have killed him. And the truth is, it was a somewhat, theoretically, unnecessary fight, wasn't it? The lion's down in the pit. You can kill him from up above. You don't have to go down and fight the lion. So this is Benaiah decisively, courageously seizing on an opportunity that he believes God has given him to do something, and he trusted God with the possibility of his perceived failure. Christians are to do the same thing. The Bible says, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, that God is able to bring to completion that thing which he's begun in you. And so each day, each time you face a trial or a difficulty, it's the same kind of thing. Is God going to make me succeed? Well, what if he doesn't? What if it doesn't work out? What if you don't get the promotion? What if you don't get the health boost? Right? What if you don't solve the relationship difficulty or come to the bottom of the problem? Is that the end? It's the young and the unwise that think that every problem that is in any way, shape, or unsolved is the end of life. It's just not. The end of life is the only thing that's the end of life. I remember when there was a girl who came over to my house and I was in high school and I thought she was kind of cute. And my girlfriend that I was dating at the time uh, had been very aloof, very standoffish or whatever. And I thought, well, this other girl clearly likes me. And the girl that I'm dating, not really into me all that much at the moment. And so I called her on the phone and I broke up with her so that I could pursue the possibility of being with this other girl. As soon as the other girl found out that I broke up with the first girl, first girl, she left. And I'm like, ah, crud, why did I do that? That was really dumb. I, risked, I gave up the first relationship for the risk of the second. But the truth was, the first one wasn't any good anyway. And that's how we're living all the time. We're thinking like, oh, I lost, I failed. Now I'll never get by. I'll never be okay again. And that's just not true. You have to be ready to risk failure. If you never do anything that can end in failure, you're just not really alive. And there's a lot of people that are doing that. Every opportunity that they could possibly fail, they run away from it and they avoid any risk of failure. They avoid risking their money, their time, their, their uh, other people's opinions of them, etc. Notice that it came to that moment in time at which Benaiah had to decide to either go down in the pit or not. And at go time, Benaiah chose to go. There were a lot of men around and many of them could have offered to go down and fight the lion, right? Or they could have just stood up at the top and, all, and, and, and nobody wanted to go down and fight it, but eventually they would have just stood up at the, the top probably and killed him from a distance. Um, but at that moment in time, Benaiah was ready to go. When God wants to do something amazing in your life and you've got an opportunity, you're going to need to be ready to go. That's a problem because life is filled with a lot of distractions. There are a lot of good things, a lot of good things, and you can fill your day every single day. Now, the same good things that we're talking about, a lot of people use to run from opportunities. So you'll play 40, 50 hours of video games in a week, or you spend your time in the kitchen, or painting, or in the park, or whatever. You do all of these things and miss the opportunity that God gives you. At the moment God says, will you do this? You're like, I, but I already have plans to do this. Right? And you can be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and still find yourself in that place. You can be saying, okay, God, I'm, whatever you tell me to do, I'm ready to do it. And then God says, here's an opportunity. God doesn't say, go and share with this person specifically or whatever, but you already know you're commanded to do that. Right? So here's an opportunity. God makes it obvious, and you don't take it because you've already got plans. 
There are so many distractions. There are so many other things that Benaiah could have done on that day. Then there are inconveniences. Like he could have waited for a thaw. In the snow, in the cold of the snow, holding a spear is more challenging, right? And a lion is perfectly equipped to fight in the snow. They're not going to have any problem. In fact, lions struggle with overheating. Did you know that? One of the primary things that keeps a lion from being a long-term fighter and runner is they struggle with overheating. They get tired. Their, their exertion requires so much energy and so much overheating that on a cold day, a lion is actually probably more dangerous when it comes to fatigue. And so he went down on the cold, snowy day. Inconveniences were nothing to him. Perceived hazards. The lion itself. Lions are dangerous. Did you know that a well-trained warrior with a spear probably will die to a lion nine times out of ten? They're, they're fast and they're wary and they're intelligent. And you probe the lion, you push forward with a spear, and then all of a sudden he lunges and they come so fast and get past that spear one time. And even if they manage, you manage to spear them, unless it's specifically a boar spear that has a cross piece, the lion will slide down the spear and its claws will rip you open completely before you can blink. Even as you run it through with a spear, you've got to hit it in the head or the heart. The neck, the body's not going to do it. The paws, no, not, none of that's going to stop the lion from coming. And people have died many times one-on-one -on -one versus a lion since the beginning of history. There's no reason, no logic, no thought process that takes him down in there except for he sees an opportunity and he realizes that distractions won't stop him, inconveniences are not going to stop him, Perceived hazards are not going to stop him. And he says, by faith, I will walk, not by sight. I see this. I will do what it is that God has prepared me to do. Here is my opportunity. If you do anything other than following God, you wind up taking your cues from something else, C-U-E, taking your cues from something else. And at best, you wind up in the queue, which means you wind up in line. Because the whole world is taking their cues from what they see, what they feel, what they think, what they've been through, what somebody asked them to do, what somebody said to them, what they saw on TV, what they read in a book, what they read in a magazine, etc. And you can become one of the most learned and intelligent individuals and take your cues from the knowledge that you have gathered. And all that's going to happen is you're going to wind up standing in line between, behind people that are stronger, smarter, faster, more capable, already thought of it, right? Back in the day, I was working at Radio Shack, uh, 1990, circa 1990, and uh, we sold resistors and transformers and er diodes and every kind of little electronic part that you could build electronics from scratch back in the day. Now, if you want to get that stuff at Radio Shack, it's available in extremely limited supply. You pretty much order it online, pick it up at the store, or have it shipped to you, right? You can probably buy most of it on Amazon or eBay. But back then, we were the only place in town. We were, we commanded the market for diodes and resistors. And I had a guy come in and he said, you know, I'm trying to build a converter. He said, in fact, this is what it's, the world knows now that the next rich person, the next millionaire is going to build a converter that you can plug into the cigarette lighter in your car and then plug an AC outlet like you would plug in your house, a cord, into that cigarette lighter. It does not exist. You can, in fact, science says that you cannot convert DC electricity to AC conversive, uh, to elect, AC electricity. Okay. Now, has anybody ever seen one of those things? Most people have them now, right? Because you can 
by certain science convert. Now, the way they do it is you have to you have to create a device that alternates the current. It switches the positive and the negative back and forth, then takes the 12 volt and steps it up to a higher level. And that's what they built, right? This guy comes in and he says, everybody's saying, if you can just build that, you'll be the next millionaire. And a millionaire was a big thing back in that day. Now they'd say probably billionaire. And he said, so I'm trying to build one. And I know other guys who are trying to build one. And I thought, well, that, that's the first I ever heard of it. So later that day, I had another guy come in. Over the next several weeks, one guy after another, after another, after another came in to buy the necessary diodes and resistors and whatever that they needed to build this thing, this transformer from DC to AC power. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself the whole time, you're probably going to fail. They're probably not going to build it. Science says you can't make it. Then you probably can't make it, right? That's what I'm thinking to myself. And they just kept coming in. And they're buying all the same parts. My boss is now buying these certain resistors, and he's buying cases of them to keep them in stock because everybody and their brother is trying to buy the electronics to build the DC to AC transformer. And we're over that several weeks. And then at the end, at the rush ended, and, and it came out in the magazines and stuff, peer-reviewed, that somebody had already built the transformer DC to AC and already applied for the patent. And we had a box of resistors of the right kind. Unfortunately, they're not very expensive, sitting in the back room at Radio Shack. And when I left there a year and a half later, that box of resistors was still sitting there. What I'm saying to you is it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter how capable you are, if you get your cues from what you see in the world or what you think smart, if you don't have some kind of otherworldly knowledge, some kind of spiritual awareness, that all you're going to do is wind up waiting in line behind everybody else. And that is not what you're called to. You are called to walk your life and deal with your problems, deal with the things that you're facing on a daily basis. You are 100% equal with every human, other human being, not because you have the same skin color, same financial background, same problems you've dealt with, same capabilities, skills, training, education, whatever. That's not why you're equal. You're equal because you're unique, right? One equals one. If it's a different one, it's still one. If you compare apples to oranges, an apple is a completely different thing from an orange. But if you have one apple, one orange, you have one. Say, so, well, how many you got? One. I have one whole apple and I have one whole orange. And an orange and an apple are not the same thing. But I've got one. And that's what you are. You're one. And people are less than one when they start running away from their problems and start taking their cues from the things of the world instead of what God created them to be. Well, Benaiah was not going to do that. It came to be go time, and he was ready to go. He crossed the line of distractions, inconveniences, perceived hazards. He walked by faith, not by sight, and he said, I'm going to do this. Now, I know a lion, not a thing that we're going to encounter. And so fighting a lion is an un seems like an unnecessary skill these days, doesn't it? Except, you know who else is characterized as a lion? Interesting. In your Bibles, if you're following along, we're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 10. We talked about Luke a little bit on Tuesday because somebody listed it as their favorite book the week before, and then we challenged ourselves, and so somebody, somebody listed it as their favorite book, and then we challenged somebody else to read the entire book, and then they gave us a little snippet on uh, this past Tuesday. That was an activity we did over the last two weeks, and it was kind of enjoyable. Now, in Luke, chapter 10, Jesus is God the flesh walking on the earth, and he's teaching the disciples about God. And there's a certain moment in time in the earlier part of Luke chapter 10 where Jesus sent out 70 of his disciples to combat evil spirits and demons. And they were seen healing people and doing various things. And every time they would cast out a demon or an evil spirit, the person would be, their situation would be made better. And usually it was in health. All right? Then we get to verse, uh, let's see, 
we'll, we'll start in 17. And so in 10:17 it says, And the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Verse 18 says, And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. And so while a lion is not mentioned here, you could see going down in a pit against a, a scorpion or a serpent would be equally bad. Maybe not quite equally bad, but definitely very bad. And then it says all the power of the enemy is listed. And so then if you look at 1 Peter chapter 5, you follow my logic here, I think, pretty easily. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to read in uh, verse, verses 8 and 9. So 1 Peter chapter 5. In verses 8 and 9, and it says, Be of sober spirit. That means uh, be in control of yourself. Practice uh, self-control. Be on the alert. That means pay attention. Understand what's going on around you. Your adversary. That's the one who is against you. The devil. That's Satan. The one who God will ultimately cast into hell forever. Prowls about. That means he's sneaking around the edges. Like ready to ambush. Like a roaring lion. That means he's scary. Seeking someone to devour. So now we have an imagery where the power of the enemy is being depicted exactly like a lion. So ultimately, I submit to you, while the idea of fighting an actual lion may not be valuable, we need to realize that it's entirely possible that we may be fighting a lion on a daily basis. Now, notice that it does not say, run! Run, you're in trouble. It says, practice self-control. Submit yourself to what you know to be right in the Lord. Practice self-control. Be sober-minded. Let's take this seriously. Be alert and pay attention. Because there is an enemy and he is seeking to devour you. Now, he's not physically seeking to devour you, devour you to my knowledge. And I'm not sure if it's true or not. I guess it could be true in some way. But to my knowledge, the devil does not eat people. Okay, he's not a cannibal. That wouldn't be a cannibal anyway, because technically he's kind of more like an angel. But he doesn't eat people as far as we know. But he certainly wants to bring your soul down to the pits of hell with him. That is his goal. In fact, he's not really even after you at all. He really wants to hurt God. Now the truth is, with a little effort, you could avoid all conflicts with lions and pits on snowy days. It wouldn't take that much. All you got to do is go back and reverse the things that Benaiah did. Don't win any spiritual battles. In fact, don't spend your time with Christians and don't fight in the spiritual realm where the enemy is really proficient. If you can just avoid those things, then the truth is you'll never face Satan or any of his tactics head on. He'll be prowling around the outside and you'll be living your life avoiding any real trouble in the spiritual realm, and you'll not have to face him. But what kind of person will you be if you never win a spiritual battle? Well, you'll be tempted, and you'll be giving in to temptation. You'll be living according to the way the world lives, taking your cues from what you know, what you think, what others have done, what they say, 
their example from your parents. And most young people grow up and don't want to be like their parents, while in Christian homes, a lot of times young people grow up and go, you know, I see my dad made certain mistakes, and I don't want to be like his mistakes, but I do want to be like his faith, right? But a lot of times that isn't the case. Men who claim to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, but don't practice to be ready to fight spiritual battles. Their kids grow up and they want to be like them and then they are unprepared for the spiritual battles that they face. So there is some variety there. The bottom line is if you don't want to face the enemy one-on-one -on -one, down in a pit on a snowy day, then don't win any spiritual battles. Don't spend your time with Christians or at least not in the active fellowship of called out believers that is the church. And don't train with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And by all means, not jump into spiritual warfare or dabble in the spiritual where the devil... The lion stalks his favorite prey. It's pretty easy to avoid that kind of trouble then. But if Benaiah set any example for us, and if Jesus set any example for us, and the disciples set any example for us, then I don't think you really do want to avoid that trouble. What you really want to do is be ready for it when it comes. Please consider that this, this lion has no desire to rip you apart. He actually wants to hurt God. And that desire means that if you do not once and for all overcome him, and Jesus has done that for us, then while you may escape the pit in this lifetime, you will spend eternity in the pit with the lion and no weapons to protect yourself in the next one. That's the order of events as they unfold. When it says he is seeking to devour, it means he wants to bring you down with him. By the way, that is how a lion fights. He grabs you with one paw, he grabs you with the other, and then he, if you've ever seen a cat fight, falls on the ground and rakes you with his hind legs. That's how a lion fights. Right? Now, if he can just bite your head off in one foul swoop, he'll do that. But most often, they lead with their, with their paw, just in case the enemy has some defenses. So they step up, and that paw is mighty enough to literally pull your shoulder off in a half-strength swing. Just go, grab your shoulder blade and just rip it right off your body while you're still standing there. That's the kind of power a lion has, and that's the kind of power this picture the enemy has for those who will not stand against the enemy. Take your stand. Please consider that this lion has no desire to rip you apart. Rather, he really wants to hurt God. And that his desire to hurt God means that if you do not once and for all overcome him, and Jesus has already done that for us, and trusting in him will get that done, but if you, have, if you do not do that in this lifetime, then you will eventually face him. Or maybe you think you can run your whole life. You'll just keep running away from the fact that God has already pronounced judgment on his chief enemy, which is Satan, and all of his enemies, which are the demons and evil spirits, and all of his enemies who are humans, the Bible says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but it also says you were subject to wrath. We were, we were subject to wrath, objects of wrath, which means we opposed God. When you don't believe in Jesus, we don't trust. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but rather you're condemned already by what you do with the Son of God. Why? Because there has to be a moment in time which you wrestle with the truth. And if you will not wrestle with the truth and comes to grip, come to grips with reality, and you will instead take your cues from everything that you've learned and everything that you've seen in the world, then you'll always wind up standing in line. How many people are standing in line right now and ultimately will plummet into hell for an eternity? And they're standing in line waiting for their ship to come in. They're standing in line waiting for things to go better. Standing in line waiting for somebody to tell them what they need to know. Standing in line waiting for somebody else to defeat their enemy, to give them that easy path to glory, a side job that can make a million dollars today, whatever. They are. Everybody's waiting for something. 
And then those people who are waiting, they get to panicking because it isn't working out, and then they wind up under the control of the enemy. And now you've got people who will vote a certain way, act a certain way, live a certain way, talk a certain way, whatever, because somebody else is telling them that it's really urgent or important that they do that. Don't take your cues from the world. Take your cues from God. Don't stand in line for destruction. Rather, stand in line for the opportunity that God has given you, whatever that is. And when it comes, be ready. Be ready to fight in the spiritual realm. Do spend your time with Christians. Do prep yourself. Do be more like Jesus each day, engaging in the activities that Jesus gave us to engage into so that we will be more like him. Do get involved with training. Do spend time with the church. Do seize opportunities. And then as each opportunity is seized and you see how God has glorified success or failure, use those things to launch yourself on new opportunities and keep building on what you have learned. Past victories mean something. They mean that God has been at work. When we got to that moment in time, Sherry and I did, where we were going to lose everything. Both houses going into foreclosure. The one we couldn't sell in Ohio. The one we couldn't live in anymore in Michigan. Both going into foreclosure. She called me on the phone she, right before that. And she said, I'm losing my job. We're going to lose everything. And in that moment, I could have said anything. And almost anything I could have said, 80% of what I might have said might have ruined my marriage. It might have been the end of our relationship. We might have never been together in, that, in the way that we were in Christ ever again. But God lead me to say this. He said, all that matters is we'll be together. Now, I wouldn't have said that normally. So all that matters is we'll be together. I might have said, we'll figure something out. Listen, when you're faced with an opportunity like a, a lion down in a pit on a snowy day, don't you ever say, we'll figure something out. God doesn't want you to figure something out. God wants you to seize the opportunity to act the way he created you in Christ, to do what it is that he's leading you to do. Go on, go. God says, one, two, three, go. You go on, go. God says, jump. You don't say how high, you just jump. God will determine how high. The difference is you're walking by faith, not by sight. So you give, you serve, you worship, you show up, you do the work of the Lord to combat the enemy every day. I read a story uh, so long ago, I couldn't remember where I read it at, and, and I couldn't quote the person. This is not meant to be plagiarism or anything like that. It was a story about a dog. man got a dog, a fighting dog, and he thought, well, I'm going to you know, get this dog for my kids. Well, you know how well that goes, right? Once a dog's been a fighting dog, it's hard to get a dog to ever be calm with your kids after that because, frankly, kids are mean. <laughs> and when the kid's mean to the dog, the dog's going to respond like he would to another dog who's mean to him. So he got a fighting dog, and he thought he was going to Well, he couldn't keep it with his kids. And so they wound up, when the kids were playing in the house and stuff, a lot of times they wound up having to keep the dog in a cage so that their dog and the kids wouldn't have a problem. Now all the dog tried to do all the time was a fighting dog. He's just always trying to get out of the cage, gnawing at the cage. Where the fighting dog is pretty big. And so fighting dog got out of the cage while they were gone. Big dog got out of the cage, only to find out he was in a cage. Now what do I mean by that? Still in the house, right? So then he starts fighting to get out of the house. He fights chewing up the door, busting it. Finally, finally he managed to bust a window out. Or I think he pushed an air conditioner out the window. Pushed an air conditioner out the window and got out of the house only to find out he was still in a cage. What do I mean by that? He was in the yard. The yard was fenced in. He couldn't get out of the yard. So he spent all day all afternoon trying to dig and he dug under the neighbor's he dug he found a soft spot he dug under the fence into the neighbor's yard only to find out he was still in a cage because the neighbor had a fence too you see this is what we do 
We go from one problem to the next, and all we want to do is solve it the way the world solves a problem, and all you do is wind up in another cage. Hear me now. Your life can be one of two things. It can be moving forward, serving God, seizing the moment to kill the beast, and take on the opportunities and things that God has given you to do in the way that God would have you to do them. And how do you do that? You spend your time with Christians. You learn the way God would have you learn. You sharpen your sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It means you learn what the Word says and you're prepared to use it. And if, and if you would really do this the way it was meant to be, if Satan himself, which is unlikely to ever happen, but if Satan himself came up to you, you would be ready with the Word of God to rebuke him just the way Jesus did. Jesus did not rebuke Satan as the Son of God, God in the flesh. He rebuked him as a man who knew what God says. Why? Because he was setting an example for us to rebuke Satan the same way. Satan, if you ever came in person and every evil spirit you ever deal with and every problem you ever arrive at, you ought to have a word for that moment in time. And you get that by perfecting your use of the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The point is, if, if you will think of it this way, there are two roads, that you, two choices that you can make. You can be ready to go down to the pit on the snowy day, if that's what it takes, to seize the opportunity and do what it is that God has for you, you can do that. And you learn to do that by those things that I'm talking about. Or you can say, no, we just kill it from a distance. Take the easy road. Not do it God's way. Not walk by faith, but take the easy road. Running. And the easy road running away from the problem. See a lion in a snowy pit? He's going, no, somebody else will take care of it. I don't have to overcome inconvenience today. I don't overcome, have to overcome distractions today. Somebody else will take care of it. I'm so sick and tired of Christians saying somebody else will take care of it. What if you are the only person in this room? Now, I will tell you, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm following the Lord. I hope I'm going to heaven. I, I'm trying to live for the Lord every day. But I could be somehow some kind of eloquent speaker. And the truth is, I could be going to hell. But even if I am, this is the word of God. And you better figure out what it means and apply it in your life and be ready to go down in a pit on a snowy day. Because if I'm not ready to go down in a pit on a snowy day, you still have to be ready to go down in a pit on a snowy day if that's what the Lord has you do. What if you're the only person in the room who is for sure walking into glory? Are you just going to let the rest of us go to hell? Seriously? If I'm not saved, I'm waiting to be saved for sure. I want to be saved. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And there are other people in this room, young people and adults, people you know in your life, family members, people that you work with, people you go to school with, that need to know about the truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross for sins and your sins can be paid for and there is a once and for all final victory in Jesus. And that as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, he teaches us how to live so that we are ready to go down to the pit on a snowy day if that's what God calls us to. Now, if you arrive at a pit on a snowy day and there's a lion down there and God says, don't go down there, that lion will kill you, then you'd be an idiot to jump in the pit and fight the lion because you're going to die even though God told you not to. God's not telling you to waste your life. He's telling you to live your life. The greatest tragedy would be that you arrive at the end of your life, fall into the grips of Satan for eternity, not that he's going to rule over hell, he's going to be suffering just the same as we are, but he gets to take us with him into hell, never having lived? What a waste. Don't do it. Instead, prepare yourself for those moments and opportunities. It starts with accepting Jesus Christ as Lord. That means he tells you what to do and you do it. It starts with believing in the salvation that he provided, having victory over the enemy who would bring you down, whatever that is, your own sin, your own temptation, the world system, evil spirits, demons, Satan, whatever who's trying to bring you down today, having victory over that in Christ. That's where it starts at. The old you is now dead. He can go to hell, and he would have. 
But now he's been reborn, transformed, made new, and it's you, and you're walking for Christ now. Put the rest of it behind you and say, okay, God sends me into a pit on a snowy day versus a lion, I'm going. And realize that lion is in your life. And so you're either in a cage with him, or you're free. And if you're not free in Jesus Christ, then you're in a cage with that lion right now. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and say, okay, God, I'm ready at go time. But the truth is, for the big thing that God has for you down the road, a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, if you're still here, for that moment in time, your particular down in a pit with a, on a snowy day with a lion, you're not ready. Right now, as you sit here right now, you're not ready. Now, Jesus is. And so if you went in that situation, you could be, Jesus could come as the fourth man in the furnace and he can say, okay, I gave you ten years to get ready for this day. It's not happening. You didn't do it. Ten years. You could have studied every day. You could have served every day. You could have gave every day. You didn't do it. But I'm here with you now. We're going to get through it. It's going to be fine. And that's what he promises. That's the minimum. But what he desires for you is that when you get to that moment in time at ten years, he's there with you, and you and him are rejoicing through the moment, going, see, this lion, he's a pussycat. He can't touch me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world means that when you arrive at the moment where you truly have to fight the devil, if you would, or evil spirits or temptations or whatever it is, when you have to fight in that moment, you run roughshod right over top of it. We're acting like we're subject to temptation like anybody else. You're not. You've got the Holy Spirit in you, conviction, God's word, spiritual gifts. You're thirsty for chocolate? Sing praises. It, does, it literally has the same effect. Science will tell you it has... Eating chocolate, singing praises to God, check the endorphins in your brain, literally the same effect. But most of us don't want to sing at all. In worship with other Christians on the road, we were, Ariana and I got in the van, we were going to the YMCA to practice basketball. And, I, and the truth is, the last couple of weeks, I've, I've had some pretty vicious days. Days where one thing after another came against me, and I was trying, I was just, Taking them on with Jesus. I'm like, oh, Jesus, we got this. We're going to do this. We've got this. We're not going to quit. And I'm keeping a harrowing schedule as it is. <clears throat> We're driving to basketball. And I thought, oh, I'm, going to put, I'm going to put on Turbulent Skies by Lauren Daigle. Because when I did my Sabbath, two songs, Turbulent Skies and These Are the Days. It means, Turbulent Skies means you're going to go through some rough stuff, but it's going to be okay because he's going to be with you. That's what the message of that song is. And the other song was, these are the days. It means even if you're going through rough stuff, these are the days that God has promised. Something amazing, something incredible. God is doing something. So I'm going to put on Turbulent Skies by Lauren Daigle. Push the button. Alexa on my phone. And uh, Alexa says, Amazon Music is currently streaming on another device. Would you like to stream Amazon Music on this device instead? Well, Sherry's driving back from Columbus. So clearly she's listening to Amazon Music. And so I said, no, I'm going to take Sherry's Amazon Music away. Not any time under the sun would I ever do that. Amazon Music might be next to nothing, not, not even be a big deal to you or to anybody else. And it might not have been a big deal if I had taken it away from her. She could have listened to something else. But no way I'm taking anything away from my wife at any time if I can help it. And so I said, no. And Ariana said, what did you say no for? And I said, well, because mom must be listening to Amazon Music right now, and I'm not going to take that away from her. And she said, oh, that's nice. The rest of the way to the YMCA, we started picking out praise songs. I will call upon the Lord. Sanctuary. I only know like three. <laughs> like I've been a Christian for 30 years and I only know like three, three uh, almost, and I only know like three praise songs. So we started picking out praise songs and singing them. And you know, as I look back at my week this week, even in victories and talking to other Christians and cool things going on, that moment, that drive, it feels a little bit like 
down in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. And those praise songs feel like a little bit like that spear that belonged to that Egyptian. When we got to basketball and practiced and, and we got, got some dinner and it was good. Are you good? Are you better than okay? Are you facing something? Maybe this is your pit on a snowy day. And maybe you're not ready because the last several years you were supposed to get ready. Well, don't worry. Jesus is not going to abandon you. He's going to get you through it. But learn something from it when he gets you through it and go, okay, I probably should be practicing my sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I probably should be active in my disciplines. I should be hanging out with Christians instead of the other things that I'm doing. I should be serving in the church. When I have a couple hours of my schedule in the middle of the week, I should be praising God or studying or praying or, or reaching out to somebody in the church and saying, how can I help? What can I do? Who can I serve? I should be going out. I should be, Caitlin, paying for the people's food behind me at McDonald's, assuming I have enough money to do so. I should be doing that. And when she says, can I give you a hug? I should be saying yes, because she clearly needs a hug. You see? You can't do this. You can't keep living like Christians who go, we're just going to stab it in the pit. And when it's out of the pit, we're going to run. No. You need to live like a Christian who's preparing, who's fighting in the spiritual realms, making a difference for the people around you, and winning the day. It's go time. Ready to go? And ask the praise team to come forward and read our, our sorry, and sing our final song today. And as we sing this song, I'm asking you, if you're here today and you've not in earnest accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then all you got to do is, right now, you should be doing it right now. Does that mean, do I need to do this? Am I, am I supposed to turn my life? And you'll hear God saying, that's you. You'll feel that little tug. You may not recognize his voice very well because you might not have a lot of experience with it. But if you're here and he's doing that, you just listen, you'll feel it. I need to earnestly give my life over to the Lord right now. And if you've already done that and you realize that you've not been preparing for this fight, you've been maybe running away from your problems, or you've been trying to stab it down in the pit rather than taking on where God says, walk by faith, not by sight, and taking these things on by faith, then you repent today. And you turn your life over to the Lord. And you commit yourself to do the things that, that God has given you to do, to be the kind of person that God has made you to be. Anything else is less. Anything else is less. So as we sing this song, you respond to the Lord's leading you to, and you come forward and you say, Pastor Dan, I gave my life to the Lord today. Or, Pastor Dan, I recommitted my life to the Lord today. I'm going to live the way God is preparing me to live. Whatever it is. Maybe you're here today and you say, I need to be baptized, or I need to join the church, or I need to be find a, a local church near me that I can be part of a fellowship with real Christians and people who really want to serve the Lord. Ordinary people. Screw-ups. Serving Jesus and made powerful because, not because power is anything, but because of Jesus. That's the kind of church we are. Reaching new heights in Jesus means no matter where we're at, we're taking one more step. So as we sing this song, you respond if the Lord's going to do that, and you let us know what's on your heart today. Okay, would you stand with me and sing? We've got the song coming up on the screen.